Second part of session 78. Let's get here into the Tarot and talk about the Matrix and Potentiator. Let's begin. In the first part of this session, we went through uh, several questions that led to the discussion of prevail conditions, meaning um, the cosmology in the law of one talks about a moment in the creation where there was no veil. And so there are a lot of conditions of what that means for the third density. Uh, experience and I have noticed already that I'm throwing a lot of terms that are part of the vocabulary in the law of one so I hope that by this time you have been uh, listening to the previous sessions because that's how this material works and uh, remember this material is a dialogue between Ra and Don so it's a conversation that developed over a period of over a year at this point in session 78 and so it's like a friendship where the vocabulary that they use is a lot more uh, understood between the two of them so um in any case yes yeah, so we're talking about the the creation this is cosmology and that is going to lead in, into the tarot because it's totally related to the veil that's why you will see in book four a lot of conversation between Don and Ra talking about the veil and then switching back to the tarot. Now, I'm going to make this short uh, summary of what was what, what led to this conversation so we have an idea because the next question that Don has is specifically about the matrix and potentiator, right? So in question 10, uh, Don was talking about the yeah the condition prior to uh, to implementing the veil and um, he he realized that there was a sort of knowledge that existed before the veil because the evolution of the logos was to implement the veil so why did they implement the veil what what was happening before right what kind of knowledge do they have? And so Ra says, this is question 10, at the beginning of this creation, or as you may call it, octave, uh, creation and octave is the same thing. Why? Because the octave is general, not just the octave of the, um, the solar system, for example, or the octave in, um, in the galaxy. Just all of them are rearranged differently. The octave, the general octave is, or the creation is rearranged between and uh, hierarchically uh, along the line of logos and sublogos. So you get the point. So creation and octave are the same. So at the beginning of this, there were those things known which were the harvest of the preceding octave. So the preceding octave, you can see it also as a sort of incarnation. You see, um, 
I think Ra also refers to the baby as a sort of entity that will exhibit the, uh, the biases that were harvested from the previous incarnation. So you can see the, the octaves or creations, plural, as um, evolving depending on the experiences of the past, of the past octave. So the past uh, imagination of the, of the creator. So Ra says, and they throw in the disclaimer, about the preceding creation, we know as little as we do of the octave to come. So we are in this creation. We know a lot about this creation, says Ra, but we don't know about the preceding or what's cooking for the next octave, basically. However, we are aware of those pieces of gather concept, which were those, which were the tools which the creator had in the knowing of the self. These tools were of two kinds. Insert joke here that Ra doesn't know how to count because they give three, <laughs> three kinds. Firstly, there was an, ans uh, an awareness of the efficiency of experience of mind, body, and spirit. So they harvested the, the efficiency of having a mind, body, and spirit that configuration alone. So um, I suppose that was part of the, the previous octave synthesizing the mind, body and spirit. Secondly, there was an awareness of the most efficacious nature or if you will, significator of mind, body and spirit. So this, this is already drawing the archetypical minds if you can if you can follow it. Thirdly, there was an awareness of two aspects of mind, body, and spirit that the significator could use to balance all catalyst. You may call these two the matrix and potentiator. So this is important for the following question because we're drawing simply the imagination of the creator as uh, a separate entity or as a seeming, seemingly apparent, um, seemingly apparent separate entity. Why? Because there's an awareness that I can experience myself in mind, body, and spirit. Then there is the significator. The significator seems to be, to me, that aspect of the entity, the, the mind, body, spirit, that um, has a sort of individuality, right? It feels individual. It feels like it has its own characteristics and it's constantly evolving. That is the point of the creation for that significator to um, to shine, if you will, right? And becomes um, it, it continues changing. That seems to be the the purpose of the significator. So at the beginning we had significator, matrix, and potentiator because the matrix and potentiator uh, seem to use uh, catalyst, right, to balance all catalysts. And I pointed out in the last video and uh, first part that is interesting that Catalyst here is included, but it's not capital Catalyst or C capital C, I mean. Uh, that denotes, of course, that there is a, um, what do you would call it? Uh, there wasn't the, the archetypical um, or the archetype of the Catalyst involved, of course, but there was catalyst. Catalyst is for growth. And that catalyst was, I guess, the significator was, was easily um, 
aware of that catalyst. So matrix and potentiator, that's what we're going to get into. So that's the first question I have and that this introduction was necessary, I think. So let's move on with the first question I have new for this part. That's question 11. Don says, could you elaborate please on the nature and quality of the matrix and the potentiator? Ross says, in the mind complex, the matrix may be described as consciousness. It has been called a magician. It is to be noted that of itself, consciousness is unmoved. The potentiator of consciousness is the unconscious. This encompasses a vast realm of potential in the mind. So right away we have the, uh, the mind complex and we'll see the matrix and potentiator here, right? So within the mind, um, I like that they say consciousness, the conscious mind, we should call it, right? That should be, mm, I, I'm, I'm careful to make this distinction because in my teachings, I use consciousness or awareness. Uh, we kind of struggle with terms here because we use a language that was, uh, that evolved basically to describe uh, processes on a materialistic point of view. So, um, awareness itself, that's what I call consciousness too. But in this case, we're talking about the conscious mind. So that part of the mind that is conscious. And I'm sorry if this causes confusion, but I can't help it. Um, all right, so the conscious mind, that is the matrix of the mind. Has been called magician. There's a lot of symbology there in the Tarot, which by the way, I do not uh, plunge into. I, I somehow I'm just not attracted to interpreting symbology stuff. I I lack that. <laughs> so I can only speak for the things that I believe these things um, uh, refer to. So in this case, there is the conscious mind, right? And then there is the potentiator of the conscious mind. It's important to know that the, the conscious mind is unmoved, meaning that is sort of static. It doesn't mean that it doesn't change <clears throat> what is happening, it's changing, but that um, you can see it as the, uh, the screen. And I think this is a good analogy. The screen on, uh, if you're watching a movie, the screen is unmoved, is just, it's the matrix in which the movie or the light moves around, right? And so the potentiator is the unconscious which uh, produces this, this kind of activity in, in the matrix. At least that's how I see it. So that's why these two are easily um, studied within the archetypical mind in the tarot because the conscious mind is simply this matrix in which everything is happening. But what is being perceived is moved by the subconscious or actually the unconscious in this case. I think it's better to use the, the word unconscious. So that's the potentiator. You can already see the interaction between potentiator and matrix. You have your matrix active uh, all the time and is, is a sort of static, uh, medium in which things move and that which moves is being fed by the unconscious into the matrix much like the screen is this 
static element in which the light that creates the movie uh, moves and uh, creates the, the illusion of, of something happening, you see. And so the biases that are in the unconscious are, are basically uh, feeding the matrix. So this is important. This encompasses a vast realm of potential in the mind. Um, I suppose that means the, I mean, they're talking about the potentiator, right? So a vast realm of potential in the mind. And I think this draws the, the knowledge or the understanding that we, we only perceive a little portion of what our unconscious has. Right. And so there is a vast realm of potential that we can perceive. So the more we work with the unconscious, um, the more we meditate and we become aware of what the unconscious mind is wanting to project in, in the matrix, then the more we can experience. Right. So there is there's something. Let's move on to the matrix and potentiator of the body. In the body, says Ra, the matrix may be seen as balanced, working, balance working or even functioning. Note that here the matrix is always active with no means of being inactive. The potentiator of the body complex then may be called wisdom, for it is only through judgment that the unceasing activities and proclivities of the body complex may be experienced in useful modes. So. Here I can only give a little bit of insight because what I understand of the matrix of the body is I, I, I'm going to equate it right away with homeostasis. There's a difference between matrix of mind and body. The mind is this sort of medium, right? That is, is awaiting the, uh, the unconscious to I mean, it's not just like it's inert. It's also the, the, the matrix of the mind is also looking for, uh, for experiences, looking for novel things, is, is experiencing reality, right? Through what has been, it's, it's important also to say here that um, because we are looking at it from a veiled perspective, even though matrix and potentiator existed prior to the veil, there was a constant communication. I, I should have noted this especially in the mind and in the body as well, but let's keep moving. Uh, this is important. Yes. Bear in mind that there is matrix and potentiator prior to the veil, but the communication or the knowledge of each other was, was unveiled. So uh, we could see what, what the unconscious had. Um, I wouldn't even call it unconscious, I think, because there was no veil. We call it unconscious now because there is a veil system. And so when this veil happened, now we are unaware of what's happening in the unconscious mind. So because we humans are studying with a veiled mind, then we need to understand that uh, the matrix is basically looking for the unconscious, right? It's, it's, it yearns for that. It yearns for that. Uh, information that is there so there is it's not like it's inert it's um, it's looking for information it's looking for for experience and so the um, the, the 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 static nature of the matrix is what I mean it's um, it's 
It's um, in, in the mind, not in the body. That's where I want to get to. I think it's that's why Thoreau kind of nails it with the male and female um, qualities of the matrix and the potentiator or the active inactive. What does Ross says here about the, um, the matrix is always active with no means of being inactive. Um, again, I, I called it homeostasis because, um, and that's why Ra calls it balanced working or even functioning. Because now you, you see the conscious mind is what we are aware of. That's our waking state, right? And even in the dream state, we can say that there is a conscious mind there. Um, but we, we have the conscious mind and that um, it's, it's different in the sense of how the conscious mind is reaching to the, to the unconscious. That would be the male aspect of it. It's reaching to the potentiator. Whereas in the body is the, if I understand it correct, it is the potentiator that reaches to the, to the matrix. I think I'm right in saying this. So that's why the body in and of itself, just like the unconscious, the unconscious mind, and I'm talking about the potentiator of, um, of the mind, the potentiator is, um, it's sort of balanced already. You know, it knows everything. Like it has everything as it should be. It's, um, it's the matrix that needs to reach out to, um, to project that, to see it, to, uh, to experience it, to live it. Whereas in the body is, is the opposite. It seems like the, the potentiator is the one that is doing the work, if you will, and is reaching out to the always balanced body. So again, this is just my view on it and the little that I understand. So the potentiator, that's why it's seen as male, whereas the, um, the reverse of, it's the reverse of the mind. In the mind, the potentiator is, is female, so it's a waiting to be reached. Um, and so the matrix of the body is considered uh, female. Once again, that's what I know. That's what I see. I see that the body is always, is always looking for homeostasis. It likes to be balanced. It doesn't like being in balance. That's why when it's in balance, uh, it produces an effort to, uh, to balance itself again. And that effort takes energy and that's what we call illness or disease, dis-ease in the body. So that's, that's important to keep in mind. And the activity that we do with the body, see, the active principle, the potentiator is what gives uh, information to the body. So I guess this all ties in with the whole cycle of the body and how it produces catalyst and experience and the significator changes and then there is a possibility of transformation in a great way and so on. So um, it, it's different. Whereas the, the conscious mind is reaching the unconscious or the matrix of the mind is reaching the potentiator. It is the potentiator of the body that is reaching into the, the matrix of the body. And that produces, I suppose, the catalyst, right? So just see it as your conscious mind is always looking to understand the unconscious and your active body, what you do, your actions, your movement is what produces changes between uh, within the matrix of the body, which is 
how it changes in itself. That's how I see it, at least. So the potentiator of the body complex then may be called wisdom, for it is only through judgment that the unceasing activities and proclivities of the body complex may be experienced in useful modes. Um, yeah, so that's how I interpret it. <laughs> um, I guess the beauty of this is that it can be interpreted in many ways, but I think I'm on the right uh, line here. So let's move now to the spirits. Ross says, the matrix of the spirit is what you may call the night of the soul or primeval darkness. Again, we have that which is not capable of movement or work. The potential power of this extremely receptive matrix is such that the potentiator may be seen as lightning. In your archetypical system called the Tarot, this has been refined into the concept complex of the lightning struck tower. However, the original potentiator was light in its sudden and fiery form. That is the lightning itself. I kind of like this uh, this pair of matrix and potentiator of the spirit because it has so much to discuss, right? I don't know how much we have within the raw material. I like I said, I never studied tarot in in any uh, way or form, but what I know on of the raw material, so I'm quite limited. And I also don't remember what Ra said because when I, I read this uh, the first couple of times, I was just, okay, the Tarot is something that needs study and I can't just uh, elucidate anything out of what it's being said here without doing some work, and I never did it. But what I love about this pair here in the Matrix and Potentiator of the Spirit is that, see, I, <laughs> I love the Matrix of um, I think it's one of my two, you know, one of my favorite cards is the matrix of the, of the spirit. To me, this is what it represents. Um, you see, the matrix of the spirit needs to be an illusion, right? For the spirit to experience, um, itself, it needs to draw or invest itself in an illusion. That illusion is separation. And I love that the card is filled with um, a lot of demonic and dark stuff that is, you know, it's the nature of the illusion uh, of the spirit. That's why Ra calls it the night of the soul. Of course, it's uh, it's lost. It's supposed to get lost in, in an environment which is completely opposite of what it is. Right, the spirit is, uh, that's why the, the potentiator is lightning. And we'll get to that. Uh, I, I also like the primeval darkness because why is it primeval? Well, to me it's because when we as humans, when humans, when third density uh, arises from second density, you are in the primeval darkness of not knowing who you are. And so, the spirit is in its most uh, obscured form, right? It's just beginning to be uh, uh, discerned, to be uh, synthesized now, to, to be seen for what it is. And so the matrix of the spirit, of course, needs to be this dark place and full of uh, the symbology that is in the card. <laughs> I, I forget all the symbology, but every time I read it, I laugh because it's uh, there's a lot of interpretation, of course, that I've seen that is, it's, it's, you know, it's the devil and 
something that must be avoided and so on. Uh, I enjoy it because I, I know what it is to, to be invested in the separate self. That is the matrix of the spirit, to be involved in that illusion that you're separate from everything else. But yes, uh, so why, um, why is the potentiator um, the, the lightning? Well, I also like that Ra sort of cleans out the, the symbology and goes straight into the original concept, which was lightning itself. You see, when we have an awaken, awakening, a spiritual awakening, it feels like a flash of lightning. It feels like, you know, you've seen this. Uh, people who describe Satori, for example, which is the Japanese word for uh, sun enlightening, which describes sort of, if I could put Satori in a context that you can understand it, is the punchline in a joke where you're all the time confused and baffled by the story or awaiting something to be resolved and suddenly you're like, oh, you know, that that feeling, you know, never mind what you conjecture afterward. No, it's just that moment, that feeling. Oh, yeah, that's that's the, the feeling of Satori. And it's also uh, explained sometimes as a sudden moment of, you know, just pure knowledge blasted into your uh, your conscious mind, yes? <laughs> so that's why it's lightning. And it makes sense then that the potentiator would be this flashing moments of the spirit for, for it to be enlightened, really. Uh, this is why the concept of enlightenment has, has been diluted so, so much in, in mysticism. But that's enlightenment. Enlightenment is to for you to get this. That's why I like to call him Satori. You get several Satoris. There are many moments where you say, oh, I get it. I see it now. You know, the, these are the, the flashes of the spirit complex, right? And so, uh, again, I, I have nothing else to contribute in terms of uh, symbology and what they mean and the disgraced priest and all of these things that are... Uh, or the devil, I forgot what the name of the... There's a lot of names that come out of Egypt and I guess other cultures that describe, but like I said, this that's one, uh, to my way of thinking, it becomes a little bit too, too much for me. And all the symbology, learning all of those things and what they mean, it gets into a mythology that kind of uh, just doesn't resonate with me, to be honest. That doesn't mean that people who do it, you know, they, they obviously, I don't need to make that. Uh, that explanation but yes you know I I am limited to to this type of interpretation so hopefully it's uh, it's helpful but let's move on to question 12 Don says in question 12 would you elucidate with respect to the significator you spoke of Ross says the original significators may undifferentiately be termed the mind the body and the spirit and I like this now remember the original significators are not complex right uh, there was no veil then so the significator become complex so that's why you see now the distinction that sometimes Ra makes between mind body spirit and then mind body spirit complex because there are and we're going to see this more often as usual Ra is gonna make mistakes so hopefully um, I put them in my slides so I don't 
I don't know, make more mistakes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sometimes they should say complex. Sometimes they shouldn't say complex and they say it. And it becomes a little confusing if it's not enough already. But all right, the significators um, that Ra talked here were, um, were not complex. And the original significators can be termed mind, body, and spirit. Don goes to question 13 and says, then we have at the beginning of this galactic evolution, an archetypical mind that is the product of the previous octave, which this galaxy then uses to, and acts upon under the first distortion of free will to evolve the total experience of this galaxy. Is this correct? And Ron says, this is quite correct. So not much to say there. Let me just reread it to see if there's anything we can, we can pick out of this. At the beginning of the, this galactic evolution. So yeah, no, Don is just um, reviewing his, his uh, train of thought. Right? At the beginning of this galactic evolution, an archetypical mind uh, that is the product of the previous octave. Yes, I explained that already, which is which this galaxy then uses and acts upon under the first distortion of free will simply to change things, you know, to have a different, a novel experience. You see, the creator wants novel experiences. So whatever it harvested from the previous octave, it's going to play with. It's a child. I love... I love to make this distinction, and I, I think it's not mentioned enough in um, spiritual circles and everything else. I guess because there is a fear that it's going to sound uninteresting, but I don't have that fear, so I'm going to say we have, if we are to understand the nature of creation uh, deeper, we have to stop giving it a serious uh, connotation. You know, this. Uh, Serious is not, um, it's not serious, it's just, it's love, that's the word, love. You love it so much that you, you look serious to other people because you're so, um, you know, you're so invested in it. So yes, you sound serious when you talk about it, but it's not serious, serious in the sense of, you know, this uh, formal respect to God. And. On the other hand, it's easier to understand if we know that this creation is just about playing. I keep saying it, this this is a playful creation. I don't see this as a sort of, oh, it's a trial and error. It's a school in which we learn and we suffer. These words have been taken out of context completely. In, in fact, let me put it this way. Yes, uh, planet Earth is a school. But you see, immediately when we say school, we think, oh, school, how much did I suffer there? And the professors and the teachers and uh, the kids and all this stuff. It was just nobody, almost nobody, I'm sure there are exceptions, but almost nobody looks back at school and says, oh, what a wonderful experience. So how come we don't see school as, like I told my son when I sent him to school, I didn't believe in education system or anything. I said, listen, you're going to a place where you're going to meet some people. You're going to have fun. If you're not having fun, I'm taking you out of there. As <laughs> simple as that. I don't care. If you're not having fun, I'll take you out of there. And eventually I did, of course, because he stopped having fun at some point. And listen, you know, I told him, if you learn something along the, the, the way, that's great. 
you're not going there to learn anything, but you will learn, you see? So school needs to be this, this fun place. That is what planet Earth is. It's not a school of, oh, I keep failing the test. No, that's not it. <laughs> Some people can see it that way, but it's not. So it's important to keep that in mind. This creation is about having fun. Now, what does that mean for, for the individual? In your case, you say, well, how does that apply to me, Gabe? Well, here's the, the point. You have to do some introspection to find out how serious are you with yourself. You see all these judgments that you, oh, I should be doing better. I should be doing better. I do these things wrong. I shouldn't be, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to meditate. I fail at this, blah, 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 blah. All of that is the school mentality. You have a, a sort of teacher always there and blah, 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 blah on top of you. That's the voice that we hear all the time that is, it's annoying, right? That is judging us. Well, if we stop seeing ourselves so serious and we begin to play as the child that we are, we start doing what we love. And what we love is serving others, believe it or not. Everything can boil down to serving others. There you go, magic solution. So yeah, we have to stop seeing it as that. So. Um, okay, I, I went completely off track here, but we were talking about the previous octave, right? And so whatever is harvested, the creator harvests all this information, just like an efficient one, of course, creator is not under a veil. <laughs> it wants to experience more. And then it starts playing with the first distortion, free will, which means infinite possibilities of experience. And so Ra, acknowledges and says, yes, uh, this is quite correct. Question 14, where Don says, but in doing this, there was at the center of the galaxy, the lack of knowledge or the lack of concept of possibility of extending the first distortion so as to allow for what we have experienced as polarity. Was there any concept of polarity carried through from the previous octave in the sense of service to others or service to self polarity? Boom, this answer is very important. Ra says, there was polarity in the sense of the mover and the moved. There was no polarity in the sense of service to self and service to others. Very important. There is duality in the sense of polarity. Same thing, right? Polarity, duality. Uh, duality seems philosophical, polarity seems scientific. Both, same thing. There is always the illusion of two. There is always the illusion of two things happening. Without it, then we just have infinity. And that is the nature of duality. This is the common misconception that is taken out of context and people, uh, there are two reactions to this misconception. Let me explain the misconception of polarity. We, the first one is, uh, and I think it helps to understand it this way. The first one is that when people intellectually take out of context the idea of non-duality and they say, nothing is real, everything is an illusion, I am one with the world and the universe, so uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't care about anything and you shouldn't care about anything. I mean, when it's about you, that's great. I, don't, I have no quarrel with that, but when you tell people, don't worry about anything. You know, you should you should not care about uh, uh, the world because everything is an illusion. So just 
just be happy, just do you do you and whatnot. That is been that is taken out of context. That's non-duality sort of uh, perverted in a way. And so there is the people that react to this that don't understand the nature of what uh, polarity is, and they say, no, non-duality is a toxic uh, belief, which is not a belief. It's an, it's the it, You see, this is where this is where you get it. <laughs> this is where you see when people don't uh, don't understand it, because. Non-duality is not a belief. Non-duality is a knowledge. So there are no beliefs in non-duality. That's why in Buddhism there is no belief per se. Implicit, there is no no belief. There is only knowledge. There is pure understanding from a way in which we cannot abstract it. And when we do it, we confuse things. But uh, we are humans and we like to confuse things. <laughs> so we have all kinds of explanations for it. But at least Buddhists, uh, true Buddhists, they admit that they have no, uh, no, no truth to give. There is nothing I can give you as truth. And that's why I love Zen. Zen is definitely, to me, the the, most, the purest expression of Buddhism. To me, okay. Everybody has their own Theravada and so on. Uh, they're all well and, and good. I just have a preference. Just like I don't have a preference for a symbology. You see, it's all about preference. So individually, that's me. I don't try to um, force it into anybody. But the misconception of polarity is a is a problem because when you when you have this uh, this idea and you don't understand it and you say oh yeah non-duality is a sort of and I've gotten people like that I I had a um, I don't even know what to call her <laughs> uh, but she was she was very close to me in terms of uh, the law of one and all of this understanding. And when I started to bring my teachings more into non-duality, she had a sort of um, a dislike for this type of philosophy. And she basically told me that she didn't want to have anything to do with my work because she was, uh, I could sense her fear against non-duality. And that's great. Uh, I think we should all follow whatever, whatever it is our fears, we need to follow them and We'll find something there. I don't know what it is, but that, that I, I was made aware of this fear of non-duality thanks to her. So I appreciate that experience, and I and I've seen it. I've seen a lot of people, and I, I see her point. There is a lot of people who just like to talk about this stuff um, in 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 a in a way that just doesn't make sense, and that's why why I say that is non-duality teachings taken out of context to create a sort of concept. You cannot do that. Non-duality is, like I said, a knowledge. And all you can do, which is what I do with people, is bring them to that flash moment, right? We're talking about the potentiator of the spirit. That's what we work with, um, is the flashing. I'm trying to flash some light for them to see it. You see, the light, the light is not the form. The light is just creating, um, some discernment for us to see. Oh, I see it now. You see? You see? All right, so back to polarity in the sense of the creation, process. There was polarity in the sense of the mover and the moved, meaning that there is obviously a. Uh, the creation needs polarity, it needs a, a dual uh, setting for it to have movement, to have activity. 
but there was no polarity in the sense of service. So there was no uh, ethical polarity, meaning that the mind, body, spirits, the significators of the, each, each individual entity did not have any sort of, um, let's say, way, path into evolving as a separate self, which is the service to self, and the service to others, which is the unity, um, the, the recognition of unity. Everything was just one. There was no polarity present there. There was no other, right? There was just the self and it was acknowledged and it was just being experienced in this kind of diluted experience, not, not much happening. It wasn't as intense as it is now. So if you're at this point in the low of one and you have been complaining about, oh, my life and uh, 3D is something, which I still hear from some people, oh, it's a, it's a terrible life in 3D and I'm just suffering here. Well, here's another flash of lightning for you to see that this experience is the most coveted um, experience in the whole universe, right? We want intensity of experience of separation because that's what generates uh, beauty, beauty and appreciation, gratitude. I know, I know that the human heart is very sensitive. Ra explained this as the logos being um, biased towards kindness. And that's why the heart of the human is, is so sensitive to what we see as crime, uh, aggression, violence, and all these things. I have a heart too, so I know what this feels. But we're transcending this. We're in this law of one uh, study to transcend the human uh, perspective of limitations. So, all right, let me move on because I, I'm getting into my philosophy uh, uh, white coat here <laughs> and we have much to cover. I think I'm gonna make this like a 10 part um, session. My God, there's a lot to talk about here. We're getting close on the hour too. But all right, let's move on. Where's my button? There it is. So Don says in question 15, then the first experiences, as you say, were in monochrome. Now, was the concept of the seven densities of vibration with the evolutionary process taking place in the discrete densities, was that carried through from the previous octave? And Ross says, to the limits of our knowledge, which are narrow, the ways of the octave are without time. That is, there are seven densities in each creation infinitely. This is a great point, uh, especially for me, which I like to, I'm a numbers guy. You know, I, uh, I wanted, as, as a child, I wanted to study physics, chemistry, and math. Those were my passionate uh, topics, but thank God I didn't get to college. <laughs> I would not be doing what I'm doing right now here. So maybe I would, who knows? But yeah, I like to make uh, relationships and stuff like that with numbers. And this is a good point that completely obliterates my intention of connecting, not completely, but somehow, the seven densities with the seven uh, archetypes of each cycle, mind, body, and spirit. So Don's question is a good one. You know, he wants to know if the octave, the, the, the concept of seven densities was always present in previous octaves. And Ross says to the limits of our knowledge, and they at least give the disclaimer that, hey, we don't know, we can't say for sure, because our knowledge is very narrow. 
the waves of the octave are without time, which means there was no previous or further refinement of the octave. That is, there are seven densities in each creation, creation infinitely. So I don't know. I don't know how they made this extrapolation. Maybe they were in seven densities before, but at least they say we don't know for sure. But within our knowledge, there has always been seven densities. Okay. Uh, bear in mind this question is going to be correct at the end. So as you read, um, affirm its validity. Don says in question 16, I am assuming that the central suns of our galaxy in starting the evolutionary process in this galaxy provided for in their plans the refinement of consciousness through the densities just as we experience it here. However, they did not conceive of the polarization of consciousness with respect to service to self and service to others. Is this correct then? And Ra says this is correct. So just to give a little bit more context to Don's question here, it's saying that all right, so the galaxy basically designed this octave, and when they designed the experience, they didn't include the possibility of polarization in consciousness in terms of service to self and service to others. There was an evolution, of course. This evolution was just simply going through the densities, but there wasn't a split in third density, which is called the choice. That choice is between positive path, negative path service to others path, service to self path. Now, if we take the veil out in third density, we realize that both of us are polarizing towards the creator. So both paths are the creator knowing itself. That needs to be kept in mind, especially with people who uh, have issues understanding and accepting the fact that there is evil in the world and that people like that should exist. Well, you cannot take anything out of the creation without uh, nullifying the creator and by that separating yourself from the universe. So this is why acceptance is something that must be sought. And this is why in my teachings, I just love that all we need to do is know the self. If you know yourself, you don't need to look for love. You don't need to look for peace. You don't need to look for acceptance, beauty, truth, etc. All of these things are emanating from you because you are the creator. And I love asking the people that contact me, uh, hey, where are you in your process of knowing yourself as the creator? Why? Because you have a huge potential of uh, resolving all your doubts, your frustrations, your um, apparent problems and so on. Just live in harmony. And so it's about you knowing yourself as the creator. What is the method that you use? What is the, um, the practical means in which you live this knowledge? So, yes, we, we didn't have a service to self path and the service to others was kind of inherent. Or actually service to self and service to others was the same thing. There was just service to the one. Okay. We'll move on to question 17, where Don says, why do the densities have the qualities that they have? You have named the densities with respect to their qualities. This density being that of dot, 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 the next, the four density being that of love, etc. Can you tell me why these qualities exist in that form? Is it possible to answer this question at all? And classic Ra says, it is possible. <laughs> I love Ra. Come on. 
you gotta give some love to this guy or entity or self <laughs> whatever you want to call it uh they're tricksters i love him so Don says in question 18 would you please answer that and ross says the nature of the vibratory range peculiar to each quantum of the octave is such that the characteristics it of it may be described with the same certainty with which you perceive a color with your optical apparatus if it is functioning properly <laughs> i don't think this is what don wanted to to know but <laughs> i mean we can i can i can go on with this with this answer for uh, for a little while <laughs> why is it that we have qualities within the densities of consciousness i think that's what don wanted to know why do the densities have the qualities that they have yeah why is it that we have love and then wisdom and then choice or not choices at the beginning uh in all of this right now i'm going to give you some insights of this answer and as you should know already this is just my interpretation my interpretation is completely and absolutely biased with my own experience of uh, the non-dual uh, reality of the universe okay the first thing we need to know is consciousness or what i call awareness let's not confuse it with the conscious mind so awareness, pure awareness, which is really what you are, is naive, it knows nothing, it simply wants to experience its own creation, right? That's the fool's card, right? The fool card. Uh, tarot card number zero, 22. So that's, that's it, it's just awareness, right? And then um, there are vibrations, which is called densities and these densities uh, provide an experience to the to awareness this experience is from the furthest point of separation in which it creates a setting which is uh, that setting is what we call matter and matter going to movement and growth which is the body that evolves and dies and reincarnates and so on the uh, the acorn and uh, and the oak and that cycle over and over again and then it goes into self-consciousness so in other words awareness becomes aware of itself right the only thing that exists is awareness and awareness is in movement that's what we call the activity of the mind and this is the cosmic mind that takes not only the, the human mind but uh, the rock mind, the air mind, the raw mind, the sun mind, and so on. Just activity. Mind can be equated to activity. I've said this in previous videos. So this activity, per se, is being presence by awareness, right? And human awareness is just one kind of awareness. Uh, or rather, human mind is one filter of awareness. So that is the furthest point of separation for the spirit not awareness but spirit and so spirit now starts to uh, return to itself it starts to have this cycle of the spirit complex into knowing itself and remembering i am when it goes back to itself then you can see that there is a process of love right that's one of the initial steps that we feel as humans 
So we can describe this whole octave of experience within the whole human. Why? Because we have love. Love brings us to wisdom. Love humbles us to wisdom, to pure wisdom. Okay, to what we know about wisdom, which is uh, knowledge informed by love. And then we get into unity, into the um, unifying aspect of love and wisdom being synthesized within the significator or the mind-body-spirit complex. And that would be sixth density. That's a vibration in and of itself. That's the non-dual perspective of life. And then there is the seventh density of dissolution, the gateway to intelligent infinity, which is, um, to me is always, I always see it as seventh density to me is the event horizon in which everything that passes just is gone. Now, if you want to experience this, I, I'll give you an exercise that is so easy to do and you will experience it and say, Gabe, is that really seven density within me? Yes, it is. I guarantee you it is. Very simple. Defocus your mind from anything that you're doing right now. Okay? You're just gonna focus on you know, the wall or the ceiling or the floor, whatever. Pay attention where a thought comes from. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from you. But you can point a place or an environment in which it comes from. Just watch it arise. Any thought. In fact, let me create a thought for you. A winged pink elephant. There you go. Where did it come from? <laughs> it came from you. And it went away. Where did it go to? went back into that event horizon where it came from. That is you. In fact, you are not the event horizon. The event horizon is probably your mind where it's you discern the thought. You say, oh, a thought, and then it goes away. And then it comes again. You know, you keep playing this game of uh, manifesting things in your mind. You see? Now, what is that called? That event horizon? Meditation. It's that simple. So you see, uh, all the densities can be seen and understood from the human perspective because we are a holographic um, iteration of the Creator. Uh, that doesn't mean that all that we can experience, you know, is possible within the human mind. No, we're limited. But we are that limitation that allows us to experience human life through the octave, which is the self seven chakras the whole deal right so there you go um the nature of the vibratory range peculiar to each quantum of the octave now i don't want you to think of this octave as the universe and the cosmos and so on but as yourself of the octave is such that the characteristics of it may be described with the same certainty with which you perceive a color with your optical apparatus if it is functioning properly why? Because all colors come from the spectrum of the uh, seven colors, right? Red to violet, and it repeats itself. You know that. The palette is not a linear thing, it's a, it's a circle. It goes, it's a cycle of colors, and violet then goes back into red, and red goes into orange, and so on. And so, 
that is thanks to light and discernment. So there you go. That's the quality and love, wisdom. All of this is part of the creator. You may, we may even say, I, I would think this is why Ra says to the limit of their knowledge, but they see infinitely this repeating is because the creator uh, can only know itself by loving itself, right? I mean, what else is left? Um, if you hate yourself, then you're getting into the illusion of the creation. And that's great. You know, if you fear yourself, if you um, uh, reject yourself and with yourself, I'm talking about your inner self and also the outer self, which is the world. So yeah, this is, this is how it's done, my friends. It's so easy. You don't, you don't need complicated practices and anything. So easy. Now, let's see how easy is the next question. Question 19, Don says, so the original, the first evolution, then was planned by Logos. But the first distortion was not extended to the product. At some point, this first distortion was extended. And the first, at, and the first service to self-polarity emerged. Is this correct? And if so, could you tell me the history of this process and emergence? Good question. Ra is going to explain this. Let's see how long this answer is. We may finish with this. We may. Uh, yes. Oh, this gets into Tarot again, I think. All right. Ra says, as proem, let me state that logo, the logoi, uh, that's plural of logos, always conceive of themselves as offering free will to the sublogoi in their care. The sublogoi had freedom to experience and experiment with consciousness, the experiences of the body, and the illumination of the spirits. That having been said, we shall speak to the point of your query. Before I get there, let me say, um, this definitely clarifies the whole confusion that I remember hearing uh, Scott Mandlicker. And I don't, I don't think I, I've heard him talk about this question itself. Maybe he clarified it here, hopefully. Um, because this is, this is exactly what was the free will that was extended. There is a difference between the um, the free will that it was that, that was given to the mind body spirits or the significators right I think we can use a synonym there for mind body spirit with the significator but yeah there's a difference between uh, the free will that was extended or given to the mind body spirits to the sub logoi in this case that were say third density entities back then and that which was given through the uh, through the veil is different, very different. But there was free will there. There was always free will. It's just that now the significator becomes much more empowered in free will by having to make a choice. You see, it's like the free will is intensified, if you will. No pun intended. Okay, let's move on to the long explanation of Ra where they say, the first logos to instill what you now see as free will in the full sense in its sublogoi came to this creation due to contemplation in depth of the concepts or, or possibilities of conceptualizations of what we have called the significators. The logos posited the possibility of the mind, the body and the spirit as being complex in order for the significator to be th what it is not. And then it then, oh my God, let me repeat that part. 
In order for the significator to be what it, what it is not, it then must be granted the free will of the creator. This set in motion a quite lengthy, in your terms, series of logoi improving or distilling the seed thought. Uh, this seed thought, my God. The key was the significator becoming a complex. All right, I promise I'll talk about this better than I read it. <laughs> okay, so here's the veil. Uh, they don't mention it here, but this is the veil right here. Um, the plane with the veil. Uh, or at least the, the creation of the veil, the prior steps to it. So Ross says that the first logos um, to instill what you now see as free will in the full sense, uh, they, it had. I suppose when they say logos, they're talking about a galactic logos. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it was a sub-logos, like the sun, or I, I don't think it was the sun, because of how Ra says that the, the logos uh, posited the possibility of the mind, body, and spirit becoming complex. And then there was a lengthy process in our terms, which means our years, probably billions of years ago, uh, or maybe not, maybe just a couple of hundred million years ago. Who knows how long this has been? Well, actually, uh, if Ra was uh, a mind-body-spirit complex, then we're talking about billions of years ago, because they themselves lived in Venus, according to the material, 2.6 billion years ago. That's billion with a B. Um, okay, so in order for the significator to be what it is not, it then must be granted the free will of the creator. So there it is, you know, the free will of the creator is what is um, established here with the veil. It is important, I'm actually going to make a, a seminar about this, which is that which is not. What is that which is not? Separation, you see? When you become service to self, you become separated from the, the creation, from everything else. And so you empower and potentiate that which is not. For In order to do that, you have to have a veil and you have to have the free will or the veil has the potential to give the free will of the creator to the mind, body, spirit complex in this case. And so this took some time and the key was the significator to become complex. That complex is what creates the, the illusion of not remembering who I am. You see, it is, it is a difficult uh, process for third densities, at least here on planet Earth, to do so on its own accord because um, it's, not, um, it's not something that stands out. We are submerged in the, the illusion of separation. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically what Ra is saying here. So once again, this is important for the studying of the Tarot because we have the significator becoming complex. And although we haven't, I don't think we have mentioned here, but the, the when the significator, just remember this, before the veil, there was only significator, matrix, and potentiator for both or for all three. 
uh, mind, body, and spirit, so nine archetypes. After the veil, then more archetypes were added in, more personas in which we can um, act upon, were discerned. And these are the catalyst, experience, transformation, and great weight. So we had four more, right? That's 12, that makes it 21 added to the, to the other nine, significator, matrix, and potentiator. So that's why uh, we have the distinction of mind-body-spirit complex, because we have the archetypical mind as we know it acting now. I think I'm gonna cover one more question and I'll call it a day. How about that? Let's go to question 20. Don says in question 20, then our particular logos, when it created its own particular creation, was at some point far down the evolutionary spiral of the experiment with the significator, uh, here's the answer, uh, becoming what it was not, or in effect creating the polarity that we strive for in third density, and therefore was, I am assuming, primarily concerned in the design of the archetypes in designing them in such a way so as they would create the acceleration of this polarization. Is this in any way correct? Um, Ra is going to say, we would only comment briefly. I actually like that. Um, I would say it's, it's completely correct. But let's see what Ra says. We would only comment briefly. It is generally correct. You may fruitfully view each logos and its design as the creator experiencing itself. Mm, important distinction there. The seed concept of the significator being a complex introduces two things. Firstly, the creator against creator in one sub-logos in what you may call dynamic tension. Secondly, the concept of free will, once having been made fuller by its extension into the sub-logoid known as mind-body-spirit complexes, creates and recreates and continues to create as a function of its very nature. That to be, and I'm going to go maybe a little bit off my interpretation or what I feel qualified to interpret uh, with this last paragraph. But first, uh, Don's question, I think, or assessment of the information so far, I think it's it's quite accurate when it says that, first of all, yes, the sun was pretty much, the, the whole process was pretty much advanced uh, when the sun took over and said, oh, let me make my own creation. And I'm assuming primarily concerning the sign of the archetypes and designing them in such a way as to create acceleration of this polarization. I think this is where, uh, where Ra may say is generally correct because Don is saying that he was assuming, I think it was everything was fine until the point he said, I am assuming primarily concerned that the logos was primarily concerned in the design of the archetypes to design them in such a way as to create acceleration of this polarization you see this this is a little bit to the point that i always make that we think when we think in terms of uh achievements of progress and you see in our human terms say for example we want to create a technology that will help us uh, create better harvests, you know, and have uh, better soil, you know, and a rich nutrient, whatever. We want to do that fast, you know, we want to achieve that fast, never mind the experience. 
let, let's talk about it in terms of travel. You know, when we travel, we want to get there as fast as possible. Nobody cares about the experience anymore. Nobody cares about yeah, the trip, you know, what, what, what happens. No, we want to fly there at two Mac uh, speed and get there as, as soon as possible. Teleportation, rather, you know, we want to get there. The creation is not about going back to itself. You see, it's there already. The creation is, is to experience itself. And so experience precedes evolution. You see, evolution is inherent in the experience. So, so much concern with, with evolution uh, makes us a little bit blind to the real purpose of the creation, which is experience. I'll keep saying this over and over again because that's, that's how I, I feel it. This is how it is. It's about experience, not about evolution. Otherwise, um, imagine, I, I like Alan Watts when the, he explains that um, if the purpose of playing music was to get you know, to the end of the composition, then the best musicians would be the ones that just strike one note and that's it. You know, that's not the purpose of music. The purpose of music is to uh, create an experience and to enjoy that experience, you see? And so when it comes to the end, you say, wow, you know, that, that, and that was, that was worth it. It wasn't just one chord. It was a whole symphony and it took me through a trip. You see, that's the creator too. Okay. So I think that's where Don uh, possibly introduced a little bit of uh, absolutism in, uh, uh, in how the logos sort of, um, and, and I mean, I understand them. I'm not criticizing him. So, yeah, to that, Ross says, we may only comment briefly, it is generally correct. You may fruitfully view each logos and its design as the creator experiencing itself, you see? You may fruitfully view each logos, each star, each human being, each galaxy, and its design, whatever its design, you're designing your life, the logos design this creation, uh, the sun create also, and so on, right? Each logos and its design as the creator experiencing itself. Everything is valid. There's another point to be made. See, the law of one has, the raw material has so many points that you can extrapolate and say, oh, this is what they mean, you know, in old traditions of being yourself, you are unique and this whole thing, right? Because it is. You are here to experience yourself because you are the creator. And so it is completely possible for you to be who you are. Yeah, with all the things that you judge about yourself and other people keep judging about yourself, which is really you judging yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly fine to be who you are. So just be that. Okay. The seed concept of the significator being a complex introduces two things. This time they actually name two things. So what does the significator being complex introduces? Firstly, the creator against creator in one sub logos. So in this planet, we have uh, human against human. Uh, man gegen man. I do not know that in German. Uh, I think man against man. Some German friends, I have a couple of German friends, please correct me if I'm wrong. Man gegen man. You know where I got that from. <laughs> if you're German, you know where I got it from. In one sub-logos, in what you may call dynamic tension, right? You know, we, we think we are fighting against each other. Isn't that the story of a human, uh, humankind? Secondly, the concept of free will. 
Once having been made fuller by its extension into the sublogoid known as mind-body-spirit complexes, creates and recreates and continues to create as a function of its very nature. So the synthesis of the mind-body-spirit complex, third density, allows the possibility to uh, develop this sub-logos that is the self, us. So I would, I would venture to say that the harvest of third density is much richer than the harvest of third density prior to the veil because the mind-body-spirit complexes now are full of uh, its own experience. It's almost like, yes, it created its own galaxy. See, each one of us can be termed as a galaxy. That's why Ra has issues calling the star system a galaxy because to them, even we are galaxies because we are creating and recreating all the time. Something that didn't happen in the past because we didn't have this dynamic tension. What is the first separation? Self from self. So if you feel separate, everything, your whole story, your whole story of life, just this incarnation is a huge, um, rich experience of creation. You see, you don't know this until you die, of course, because then is when you see, oh, look at all of this, it's beautiful. My life was beautiful. But you can do it here, of course. You can, you can become aware, not fully, uh, perhaps fully, I don't know. But I know that in my experience, I have become aware of have the beauty of, of my life, how it is, I don't know how to describe it, it's just my whole story. I don't know about my previous incarnation, I don't need to know about that. Just this, this is the, uh, the climax. The present moment is always the climax of my experience. That's all I know. So, yeah, I think I covered that enough for my, for my own likes. All right, conclusions. Whew, where do I start? Um, the only thing that comes to mind right away after this, the second part is, I always say, the more you know your history, the better you understand yourself. And in this case, we're looking, it's not only yourself, but anything really. If you look at etymology, etymology is beautiful because it has the history of the words. And by knowing the history of the words, you know why they are applied the way they are. And when, in ignorance, we apply them the wrong way. And so, you know, we, uh, especially nowadays where language has become very sensitive, we need to understand where it come from. So in the same way, if we, if we are investigating ourselves, we need to know ourselves, then history is important. Now, in this metaphysical sense, which is what we are uh, indulging in, with the raw material, we can see that there is uh, rich history in terms of that, especially now, we're talking about the veil, so. The veil introduces this dynamic tension that Ra just talked about in this slide, in this answer. And it refers to the, I call it the, the first separation the self from self, you think you are separate. That is the first separation. That's the first dynamic tension and the only one that really exists. It's only that by you assuming 
this form of separation, you will extrapolate it to other people, nature, the universe, etc. And so this dynamic tension that is created between you and yourself, okay, you the body and yourself the universe, that separation or everything, your environment in general, um, that separation creates the, the dynamic tension to what creates, right? Your own point of view, what do you think you are, your ideals and all of these stuff. Um, what makes you, that is a beautiful creation. Can I put it that way? Can I get away with that, please? To see yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and say, yes, this is a beautiful creation. I'm not doing it. The creator is doing it and I am the creator. And the only way I can see it is without uh, ascribing a sort of identity to the activity of my mind. The activity of my mind is just that, it's just a movement. This is the harvest. The harvest is me right here, right now. So within this philosophy, you can see how we can still talk about uh, the unity of all things and the beauty of knowing that you are simply the, uh, the synthesis of a potential, an infinite potential that is you, that's it. You know, just like a tree is unique. There's no other tree in the world or in the universe that is like that. Why? Because it's its own creation. So you can see how this, this all goes into knowing, of course, who you are so you can appreciate, see, know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. It's that simple. So that's all I got to say for today. Um, again, uh, the, this veiling process, it's a blessing because we can become, uh, we are gods. Isn't there a part in the Bible where they say, um, I think this is in the Genesis or some conversation, I forget what it is from, but they say, um, let them not eat from the fruit of knowledge, lest they become gods like we are, right? That's That, that was it. Um, they will become gods as we are. Why? Because the fruit of knowledge was that veiling process, free will extended, and the illusion was drawn, and we were thrown away from the Garden of uh, Eden, thank God. <laughs> you see what I mean? I mean, it's just so easy to, to, to understand it this way. Oh man, I enjoy this so much. But I have to put an end to this for today. Uh, we still have, like I said, I think this is going to be four, uh, four parts. This is just too much. We have, we still have like 20 questions for the session, but we both enjoy it, don't we? But all right, here's where I say thank you for listening. Uh, big shout out to the people on Spotify. I am impressed by the amount of people who are listening there. Uh, check my Instagram, please, if you want to get involved with what I'm doing. Um, this is the law of one. I try to keep it mostly to the law of one, but I have more to share in terms of knowing yourself, ego, and the work that I'm doing. It's just, um, yeah, it's a, it's material for another platform. So you can check out in the description whether you are in uh, plot, podcast platform or here on YouTube and just uh, check out what I'm doing. All right, I'll see you in Instagram or I'll see you in the next video. Take care and have fun with life. Remember, it's not serious, it's about playing.